There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Grammar Girl here. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about whether band names are singular or plural a meaty middle about the difference between the words woman and female, and a featured listener. Let's get started. On Twitter, a user with the handle NoiseJourno asked about band names, writing, When referring to a rock band, do I use the singular form is, or the plural form are? Or does the band name dictate the usage? Collective nouns, such as the word band, are generally singular in the United States. But for band names, most people go by the rule that if the band name sounds plural, like the Beatles or Black Eyed Peas, they treat the name as plural. And if the band name sounds singular, like Fallout Boy or Coldplay, they treat the name as singular. So in the United States, you'd see sentences such as, The Black Eyed Peas were amazing at the Rose Bowl, treating Black Eyed Peas as plural because it sounds plural. And they were amazing. And Coldplay is hitting the road this summer, treating Coldplay as singular because it sounds singular. But now I need to point out a British English versus American English difference. British writers are more likely than American writers to treat all band names as plural. For example, it's easy to find British publications writing about the recent Coldplay tour with lines such as Coldplay are the headliners and Coldplay are asking their fans to submit requests for European tour dates. So that's your quick and dirty tip. If you're in the U.S., treat band names like they sound. Singular if they sound singular and plural if they sound plural. But if you're writing with British English, treat all band names as plural. Hey, it's Mignon. Do you need a new literary show to add to your podcast queue? Well, then you definitely want to check out Missing Pages, the chart-topping and Signal Award-winning podcast produced by The Podglomerate. Back for a brand new season, Missing Pages investigates the most pressing topics in the book world today, from the rise of Colleen Hoover and book bands across America to the world of ghostwriting. Not to mention host and acclaimed literary critic Beth Ann Patrick interviews some of the biggest names in the industry, like New York Times bestselling author Jody Pico and Publishers Weekly co-editorial director Jim Milliot. And as The Washington Post and The Guardian said, Missing Pages is a, quote, must listen. And I agree. So don't miss out. Follow Missing Pages today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. 
Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and bestselling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart? every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi. And now on to the words woman and female. Years ago, we had Nancy Pelosi taking over as Speaker of the House. Then Sarah Palin is the Republican vice presidential nominee. And now Hillary Clinton is the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee. So the question is rising again. Is Hillary Clinton the first female presumptive presidential nominee from a major party in the U.S.? Or the first woman nominee? Now, before I answer the question, I want to address a related issue, which is that sometimes it's sexist to point out people's sex because doing so implies that they aren't in their proper role. For example, saying someone is a male nurse or a female doctor wrongly implies that it's so unusual for men to be nurses or so unusual for women to be doctors that you have to make a big deal out of it. But given that Hillary Clinton actually is the first woman to ever be a presumptive candidate for president of the United States from one of the two main parties, it's not sexist to talk about it because it is, in fact, a big deal. It's historic. It's an important part of the story. So then, what is the best way to talk about Hillary Clinton being a woman? The words woman and man are primarily nouns, and to say someone is a woman nominee is placing woman in the adjective position. I checked four different dictionaries, and two don't include woman as an adjective. One does, And the fourth said that when woman is used in the adjective position, it's actually in a positive noun, and it's in the process of becoming an adjective. So the dictionaries don't give us a clear, definitive answer. Testing the validity of the sentence by seeing how it sounds to substitute the word man for woman seems like a good way to see if the sentence makes sense. To me, it sounds terribly awkward to say someone is the first man nominee. I imagine most of you would say he's the first male nominee if the need arose. So even though some sources say it's grammatically correct to use woman as an adjective, my opinion is that you should say Hillary Clinton is the first female Democratic presidential nominee. If for some reason the word female makes you uncomfortable, you can use woman as a noun, saying she's the first woman to be the party's presidential nominee, or something like that. 
But with the perfectly acceptable adjective like female available, I don't see any reason to push the word woman into that role. But then what about female as a noun? Liz from Austin, Texas, said her pet peeve is when people refer to women as females. For example, when someone says, I was chatting to some females. To her, that sounds very scientific and awkward. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of English Usage notes that esteemed authors in the 1800s used female this way, and those authors were women. Jane Austen used the phrase, the females of the family, in Pride and Prejudice, for example. And Emily Bronte wrote, it opened into the house, where the females were already astir, in Wuthering Heights. Yet, even back in those times, other people complained that using female in this way was demeaning. And I agree with Liz that it doesn't sound right today. Merriam-Webster goes on to say that the neutral use of female that Austin and Bronte used has faded away. And the most common use of the word female now as a noun is to refer to lower animals. For example, if you were studying apes, you could say something like, the females formed a small group to defend against the attackers. It's my recommendation that you use female as a noun only when you're speaking about animals or writing scientifically. When you're talking about female humans, the favored nouns are woman and women. And likewise, when you're talking about male humans, the favored nouns are man and men. And that was your meaty middle. It's usually best to stick to female as an adjective and woman as a noun. Finally, to wrap up the podcast, I have a nice short iTunes review from a U.S. listener named Smurfette, who likes that the podcast is short. She wrote, quote, I love this podcast. It's clear and easy to understand, and I love that it's short, unquote. Thank you, Smurfette. It's fun to say your name, and I really appreciate those iTunes reviews because they help people find the show, and then once people see the show, it also helps them decide to give it a listen, to give it a try. Oh, and this is the last week of voting for the Podcast Awards, so if you can visit podcastawards.com and vote for Grammar Girl in the education category, I'd really appreciate that too. You can vote every day between now and June 12th, just a few more days, and it's easy to vote. And you can see all the other great podcasts that have been nominated and find new shows to try. So head over to podcastawards.com and check it out. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life, which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety. Speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication. 
in psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.